Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down to the right hand of the throne of God.
so glad to see you this morning. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving with your family and friends. Didn't get too stuffed. I feel like I gotta go, go run a bunch. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you're a visitor with us, thank you so much for coming. We'd love to know how we can help you and serve you in any way. Uh, one of the best ways we can do that is through this Connect card. You can find this in the seat back in front of you. Simply fill it out, put it on the baskets on your way out. We'd love to know uh, how you can be connected here at Christian Family Chapel. We can answer any questions about our church for you. We want to help serve you, uh, pray for you in any way that we can. Uh, please take advantage of that. Right now, though, if you take a few minutes to say hello to those who are standing around you. Well, good morning. Great to have you here. We are doing a first, we've done this in years and years and years called a worship together. So glad to have whole families in here. We started back in Easter, a study through the life of Jesus through the, the gospel of Mark. And we're going to continue that with this morning, but, um, <clears throat> uh-oh, you can't send me to home, can you? Uh-oh. I got to go back. There we go. <laughs> Whoops. We're not using the TV like we normally do this morning, and so sorry about that. We are going to look this morning at Mark chapter 6 with Jesus encountering a hungry crowd, which seems pretty appropriate for Thanksgiving. It's following where we left Jesus and the disciples in Mark was this. They had just started a vacation cruise. So if you've been trying to convince your spouse to do a vacation cruise, you can let them know it's biblical, actually. Mark chapter 6, verse 32 says, They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. So that sounds exactly like a good cruise. Well, that's what they intend to do, and they're doing it because the disciples had been gone out in pairs to all surrounding villages, preaching, teaching, healing, and casting out demons. So there was all sorts of ministry happening. They come back, they give a report. Jesus says, let's go away in the boat to a secluded place by ourselves. But the cruise hits a snag. Not a weather snag, it hits a people snag. It says in verse 33, the people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there where? When? Ahead of them. So when the boat arrives for this vacation cruise, it's not a secluded place, it's full of all of these people. And Jesus, like a quarterback, sees this and calls an audible. Here's what it says. When he sees all the people waiting for them, he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So vacation cruise gets canceled for Bible conference. Most of us go, well, man, what a lousy trade. Really? We thought we were going to get away by ourselves. Now it's turned into we're observers in a Bible conference where Jesus, it seems like, teaches all day long. So much so that the disciples are like, we've had enough. And it says in verse 35 that they say to Jesus, this place is desolate 
and it's already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, did I read that correctly? Is that what it says? It says that the disciples told Jesus what to do? Yeah, I, I did. This isn't a joke. I didn't change the scripture on this one. That's exactly what it says. And I'm only bringing our attention to it because no matter what age you are this morning, here's a little clue. We don't tell Jesus what to do. He tells us what to do. So they go, come on, we're supposed to be on vacation cruise. Send them away. They need to find something to eat. And Jesus like says, eat, great idea. But instead of them being sent away, what does Jesus tell them? Since he is the one who gives the commands, not them, what's it say? What's he tell them? You give them something to eat. So he turns it right on them. Man, they're hungry, Jesus. Excellent point. I'm glad you noticed. But instead of them leaving, why don't they stay and you feed them? And we don't get a video of what happens next, but it appears that what happens next is that they all pull out their wallets, the disciples, they check how much cash they got, and they total it all up, and they come up with a number. And so they say to Jesus, next verse, shall we go and spend 200 denarii? That's 200 days wages. It seems like that's, if they pull all their cash, that's what they got. If we put all our cash together and go buy bread and give them something to eat. Now, there's a question mark there, but it doesn't really seem like it's a question. Because when the Gospel of John records this account, it's actually the disciple named Philip who says, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. So track with me. We're going on cruise. Hard left turn. No Bible conference. Man, it's been all day. Send them away so they can eat. You feed them. We don't have enough. So in other words, what? So our plan was better. Send them away. A nice thought. That would have been very gracious and hospitable. But we don't have enough. And so I want us to pause right here and just recognize that what's happening in this moment on this day, recorded, by the way, in all four Gospels, the miracle that's recorded in all four Gospels, we get a picture of what it means for you and I to walk with Jesus, not on a unique day, but every day. Because every day that we're going to seek to walk with Jesus, here are the two realities already demonstrated for us in this encounter. First reality is this, that every day there will be from God to us as his followers a call to do the utterly impossible. The utterly impossible that day was what? Feed all of these folks with the Limited resources that we can't do it. The text, as some of you know, says there's 5,000 men. 
If you add one woman and one child for every man, then you're at 15,000. How many of you have been into the Colosseum downtown? Okay, lots of you have been down there. Pack it full and you still don't have as many people there that Jesus told them to feed. That's a lot of people. And so that day and every day, there's a call to do the utterly impossible. And as the disciples admitted, even if we tried to pull our cash together, we wouldn't have it. There is for us an admission of complete inadequacy to do the utterly impossible. Now, don't miss, again. Now, there's lots of movement because we started the service like, the, the message like nine minutes in and you're like all weirded out like this isn't normal. We're going to worship our way through this text. And this first stopping point in the text is acknowledging that that day is actually our every day. Not convinced. When the scripture says in 1 Peter 1, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all of your behavior. If you have a right hand and you would acknowledge Wow, to be holy like God is holy every day, all day, in all my behavior. If you go, uh, I would admit that is utterly impossible. Let me see your right hand. All right. No, no, so much turkey. Keep it up. All right. You got your right hand. Keep it up. All right. If you, so the right hand saying it's utterly impossible. If you would acknowledge that on the flip side, you are completely inadequate to do that, use your left hand, but give me this. <laughs> Why? Losers. Yes, we're all a bunch of losers. When it comes to the daily requirement of utterly impossible, being holy in our behavior, uh, we can't completely inadequate, right? You agree? Okay, if you're married to somebody and they didn't put both their hands up, you can do it for them the next time because you know that it's true for them. More scripture. Love one another as you would have people love you. Is that biblical? To love others as you would have them love you? Oh, that actually is, but that's not what this text says. <laughs> this text says, who's speaking here? Jesus is speaking. He says, love one another even as Jesus has loved you. Anybody got a right hand? <laughs> Utterly impossible? Utterly impossible? Some of you against raising your hands in church? <laughs> Utterly impossible. And any losers on that one? Yeah, completely inadequate. Okay, we're on a roll. Rejoice when it's convenient. Pray when things are hard. Give thanks on Turkey Day. No. Rejoice. Say the next word. Always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Now, with, honestly, when you look at your day, I don't have to go back. Thursday. What a beautiful Florida day. 
of nonstop drenching Thanksgiving rain. Rejoice always. Anybody got a right hand? <laughs> yeah, uh, probably the vast majority of us, at some way, verbalized or thought a complaining thought about the rain all day. We've been up, maybe, maybe some of you have been up 17 minutes. <laughs> some of you have been up a couple hours praying without ceasing today giving thanks for the hard spot of getting everybody together. Whose idea was it to worship together? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? My point is, you acknowledge that is utterly impossible. Seriously, that's utterly impossible, and I am totally inadequate. My point is this. That day is our what? Every day, every day, the word of God is calling you and I to live an utterly impossible life, revealing our complete inadequacy. And so, there needs to be part of our everyday, therefore, confession. But here's the problem with the way you and I tend to practice. Well, I shouldn't say you. I don't know. I was taught confession generally happened at the end of the day, in bed, before I go to sleep. Then I think back through all my conversations, all my actions, all my thoughts, and I confess what wasn't like Jesus that day. Except that got too hard, and so what we tend to say is, Lord, all the stuff that wasn't good today, I'm sorry because we'd be up all night confessing. (laughs) But I would suggest to you that confession is how we ought to begin our day, not end our day. We did not need the day to prove it was utterly impossible and we were completely inadequate. What we needed to do was to begin the day acknowledging, Lord... (laughs) You have called me to do the impossible. I am completely inadequate, and I'm about to begin this day. And so I want to lead us in how I think we ought to begin all our days, whether we're younger or older, that we ought to begin our days admitting, confessing who we are, And so I'm going to lead us through. I've written it out. I'm going to lead us through a confession. I said we're going to worship our way through this text. I'm going to lead us through a confession. I'm going to invite you to read it out loud with me. It's going to be on the screens on either side. We're not going to rush through, okay? We're not going to rush through. We're just going to thoughtfully lead ourselves through this confession. Lord Jesus... Say it out loud with me if you want. I confess that though you have made me holy, I daily fail to live in that holiness. I acknowledge that my impurity extends beyond my behavior and penetrates to my deepest thoughts and secret motives. I confess 
that I do not love you as you have loved me. Rather than reflect your beauty, I am often ugly in my impatience, my demanding spirit, and my reluctance to serve without the promise of service in return. Lord, I know that as you search me, you see all of this and so much more. I humbly ask for your gracious cleansing and forgiveness according to the riches of your mercy and the greatness of your love. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God.
Father, we do humbly admit that sin runs deep and daily, and our weakness is profound, that our love is often lacking and our patience not long. We recognize, Lord, that grumbling is too often on our lips praise not enough. And so thank you for the fact that though sin runs deep, your grace is more. Thank you for the finished work of your Son, our Savior, on the cross. Thank you that he has taken the penalty for our sin. And not only taken the penalty for our sin, he has taken the power of sin over us and broken that slavery so that we might walk in newness of life, that we would love as we have been loved, that we would rejoice in you, our God. Lord, we confess and admit as this day unfolds, we need you every single hour. In Christ's name, amen. You can have a seat. So as the passage picks up, well, recap. Lord gives them an, an utterly impossible assignment. Feed these thousands of people. They admit we're inadequate. We can't. We don't have what it takes. So in verse 38, Jesus asks them a question. Mark 6, verse 38. He asks them a question. What question does he ask them? He says, well, if you don't have enough money, uh, how many loaves do you have? And then he, he tells him, go look. And so you can imagine these disciples working their way through this large crowd, seeing what food do we have available, and they come back with, to him with this report. What do they have available to him? The answer is five, five what? Five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus says, Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. And so what are they bringing? Well, in our culture, they bring him a little kid's lunchbox, right? I doubt it was metal with the Avengers on it at that time. But if a little boy's lunch at that point consists of five loaves, five little biscuits, and two little fish... Probably not your daily lunch for a little boy now. Uh, that might be translated into they bring him a PBJ. Unless if you've upgraded and you don't feed your kids that. That's what we fed our kids, lots of them. PBJ and, and a bag of Cheetos. Because everybody loves Cheetos. That's right. You get it on the fingers and then you can lick it off and enjoy it later. You get the, the, the Cheetos. So, so they bring him... And, and a capture now. This is what they bring. There's thousands of people. And he's got a PBJ and some Cheetos. When 
when Jesus said, bring them to me, if you just take a moment, what would have the disciples honestly really thought? Why? I mean, are you going to eat it? Is that what we're doing here? Are we collecting your lunch? I mean, what are we going to do with this? In fact, I think it's the Gospel of John that says, uh, we got this, but what is this among so many? That's like the understatement of the century. What is this among so many? But I would suggest to you that those five words right there, bring them here to me, are the whole key to the text. Because actually, it really didn't matter. I mean, they could have found 20 kids and brought them 20 lunch boxes. And you'd still go, but what is so little among so many? You know, what, what good is this? But it's these five words that change the text. What are they? Bring them here to me. You see, for that day, which is true for our every day, there is an utterly impossible task. Be holy. Love as you have been loved by God himself. Love perfectly. Rejoice always. Pray. We're utterly impossible. Completely inadequate. So what do we do? Well, lots of us just quit. We go, God, I can't. I can't do that. I'll just go, I'll just do my best. So you go to work and you do your best, or you get the kids out of bed and you do your best, but you know you don't love perfectly, and you know the grumbling's happening, and you know you're not holy in all your behavior. You do your best with your wife, you do your best with your husband, you just do your best with your kids, you do your best with the neighbors, but I just can't do that. Or, or you go, well, I'll take my Cheetos and, okay, I'll share. But did you notice that Jesus did not say, oh, we'll hand it out. What were the five words? Bring them here to me. Don't miss this. For that day is our every day that it begins with an utterly impossible task that reveals an admission of I am completely inadequate, but the rest of our day, every day, swings on a decision. What's the decision? <laughs> to either go, I can't, or I'll do my best, or a decision to present the inadequate to God. Those five words change our days like it changed that day. To present the inadequate to God. To bring them here to me. This is...
Don't miss this. This is the daily decision to either live by sight or live by faith. To either go, well, we've done the calculations. 200 denarii is not enough. We've collected what we got. This isn't enough. Just forget it. Just do it. Just send them away. But Jesus says, no, you're right. It's not even close to enough. You're right. What is that among so many? But the deciding factor is for you in every day of whether you will bring yourself to Jesus. Because what's reflective in this text is a decision for you, not with your lunch, but with yourself, your body, and bringing it to the Lord. Acknowledging as a mom and dad, I'm not adequate to love my kids the way you have loved me, but I present myself to you. Not adequate to love my spouse like you've loved me, but I present myself to you. I'm not adequate to go to work and to be holy in all my behavior. It's, I present myself to you. Every, listen, every one of your days hinges on your decision about those five words. Bring them here to me. Bring yourself to Jesus. To present yourself to him. It is what the scripture calls us to do. Romans 6. Well, first of all, real quick. Romans chapter 5 and 6. If I can summarize it very simply is this. Romans chapter 5 is a whole chapter that tells you about how the death of Christ is sufficient payment for the penalty for our sin. And then he goes into chapter 6 and he says, Christ not only died for you, he was raised so that you, by faith, not only be, would be identified with him in death for forgiveness, but that you would be identified with Jesus in resurrection so that you too could walk in newness of life, that you could walk in purity, that you could walk in holiness, that you could walk in love, that you could walk in joy, that you could walk in thanksgiving. He has been raised so that you could walk in newness of life. Your single, listen, your single command is this. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead. And your members, what's that mean? Your, your members, that means like your arms, your hands, your eyes. Present yourselves to God and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. As that little boy's lunch was presented to Jesus... Even though it was inadequate, it was presented to him every single day. Our simple act of obedience is to admit, Lord, I'm completely inadequate for the utterly impossible, but I present myself to you. Here I am. Now, why would you present yourself to God? What's it say? 
You don't have to make this up. What's it say? Why would you present yourself to God? Because you are alive from where? The dead. Do you recognize that? That you and I were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses. We were spiritually dead, enemies of God, far from him. But the death of Christ on our behalf paid the penalty for our sin. And his resurrection allowed us to now walk in newness of life. So we were once dead in our sins, but now we are alive from the dead. And if you're alive from the dead because of what Jesus has done for you, what ought you to do every single moment of every single day? <laughs> Lord, here I am. Here's my body. You purchased it. I was dead. And now I'm alive. I'm inadequate. But here I am. See, I'm not saying this is something that some big moment you need to do someday. I'm saying this is the hour by hour, day by day practice of walking with Jesus. Admitting I'm completely inadequate for an utterly impossible task. But Lord, here I am because... It really doesn't matter what I bring. It matters where I bring it to him. What if the boy would have only had two loaves and a half a fish? You think Jesus would have went, don't know what I'm going to do with that one. No, that's, that's absurd. It's always Inadequate, insufficient, it's always lacking. <laughs> no matter what you bring, no matter who you are, the smartest, most gifted, most talented person in the room really still shows up before the Lord going, uh, what is this among so much? The key is not what you bring, it's where you bring it, that you would bring it to Jesus. So in the same way, in the same way that we did a corporate act of confession, I want to invite you to present yourself to God. Whether you're a child, a teenager, an adult, that you would present yourself to him. So I want to invite you to stand and I want to lead you. This is not written out, but I invite you. You don't have to, obviously. Don't have to do this. But I want to invite you. If, if in light of the mercy of God and the death of Jesus on your behalf, and in light of his grace and raising him from the dead, that you would want to present yourself to him, not just one day today, one time today, but as a reflection that this will be the new normal by which you would, that you would, Pray this out loud with me. Just repeat after me. Lord, I present myself to you. This body belongs to you. I present my mind to you. 
my mind yours to think with. I present my hands to you. My hands yours to serve with. I present my eyes to you. My eyes yours to see with. Thank you for your great mercy and for your pouring your spirit into my heart that I might walk in newness of life. Loved with an everlasting love Spirit breathing from above that by grace His love I know Love that will never let me go No longer have the power to harm 
Even in the deepest hurt, he's working for good. We are the branches and he is the vine. We are in him and in us he abides. Apart from him, there's nothing we can do. Things that once were wild and lost, no longer have the power to harm. Even in the deepest hurt, he's working for good. Thank you for the reminder that you are a full supply. Supply us with everything we need to do everything that you've called us to do. Lord, as we continue our worship and our giving this morning, pray that this will be a demonstration that we fully belong to you and that we fully trust you. And that it may our giving not be simply out of obligation, but it would be an overflow of our presenting of our bodies to you, to be used for your glory. Christ's name. Amen. Let's stay standing as we declare our dependence. We offer our lives to him. I come in desperate dependence. Ashamed of my pride. The Lord keep renewing my mind and doing lies with your truth this is my body this is my body presented this is my sacrifice for it is written I'm freed and forgiven by you here's my life here's my
and indifference takes hold. May your word be the spark that lights up the dark with your glory. Let the lost hear their names as children call home. And may love be displayed in my words full of grace and your proof of the goodness of God is when completely inadequate people present themselves to God for the utterly impossible. That's when you become a blooming desert, which is a great, great picture. That's when you move from one who is dead and not walking in newness of life to alive to God and walking in newness of life, that you are a presented body. And all of our inadequacies and all of our weaknesses presented to the Lord. So that's what the disciples do. They go, what's this among so many? To which Jesus says, he commands them all, that is the thousands there, to sit down by groups on the green grass. 
And they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And then he opened the Cheetos and he gave one Cheeto per group. No, not, a, not at all. First of all, there wouldn't have been enough Cheetos for that. But that's not what he's doing. He has them sit down. So if you can imagine, I presume he's still standing. He's now clearly visible as they're all seated in the grass. Him standing, it says this, watch. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. Is that like, Lord, take these Cheetos and make them nutritious somehow. Make them taste like Cheetos, but be nutritious like carrots. No. When he took that little boy's lunch and he blessed it, was he going, man, this is, chew that fish is wow. Is he trying to get rid of the bacteria? No. What's he doing? I mean, you, you, blessed, you blessed the food on Thanksgiving Day, didn't you? Well, you may go, I didn't bless it. God blessed it. Did you ask God to bless the food on Thanksgiving Day? You probably did. Here's the weird part. You had on the table or on the counter food for 40, even though there was only 12 of you there. So it actually, we, do you know that for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, people have been blessing the food, or asking God to bless the food before they ate it as a reflection of this passage. That's why you pray before a meal, because what Jesus did in this miracle. But it's totally different, because the vast majority of us Ask God's blessing on an abundance of food, more food that we need. You still have it packed in your refrigerator, even though you asked God to bless it last Thursday. You see the huge difference between what you did on Thursday and what Jesus did in this moment? When he was blessing, asking the Father to bless the food, what was he saying? Lord, <laughs> that's a lot of people and a little lunch. We need your divine favor upon it. That's what's happening here. We need you to supernaturally work through the completely inadequate in order that the utterly impossible will happen. That's what's happening. And I became all the more convinced that that's what's happening when I took the scripture and I said, where else... Does it say in the New Testament that they blessed something? And when you go to the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, you have an old man named Simeon in Jerusalem. And he grabs this eight-day-old little baby boy named Jesus. And he takes him in his hands like that little baby would 30-some years later, take the bread in his hands. And with the baby in his hands, he blessed God. 
saying, salvation has come. That through this little, no offense to the baby Jesus, but through this little, completely unassuming, what everybody would think would be inadequate little baby, the savior of the entire world for generations has come. That's a powerful moment. That baby then takes as a man, bless this inadequate lunch to do the supernatural. And then you come to the end of the Gospel of Luke. And Jesus has been crucified, buried, raised from the dead, and appeared to his disciples on multiple occasions. And Luke 24 then records that he lifted up his hands and blessed them. You know who the them is? It's the 12. He blesses the 12. And while he is blessing them, like he had blessed the food, the food like, ba- like Simeon had held the baby in his hand, while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. You understand what's happening in that moment? What is Jesus, as he is departing into heaven, what is he saying about the 12? (laughs) Wow, what an inadequate bunch. This might be worse than the lunch in the thousands. (laughs) Seriously, he's headed to heaven and he's gone. We need the supernatural favor of God, the power of God to be upon them. And it happens how? Upon those same 12 as they are waiting in the upper room, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and God himself indwells them so that the completely inadequate would begin to do the utterly impossible. See, I get the, I get the hundreds and hundreds of years of praying before we eat, but I don't really think that's what Jesus was demonstrating. He wasn't teaching the children to pray before they eat. What I would much, much rather us take away from this passage is that we would take our lives in our hands and say, Lord, it's completely inadequate to do the utterly impossible, but I present it to you, invoking your supernatural work in my life. I would much rather us to take our hands and place them on our children. And uh, nothing wrong with blessing your lima beans. But far better to bless your children. For husbands to place their hands on their spouses and to bless their spouse, that the supernatural work of God would be upon them, that the completely inadequate would do the utterly impossible. Can I give you a much bigger picture of blessing than the lima beans?
That's part of why I wanted us to do worship together this morning. That you would, you would hear moms and dads with your children sitting beside you. That one of the greatest privileges you have to do on a daily basis is to place your hands upon your children and bless them. Recognizing they're completely inadequate. That the heart is deceitful. Wicked. But if they would go from dead in their sins to alive in God, that though they would be completely inadequate, that God would do the supernatural through them. You may go, I'm not sure what I, how I would do that. And so I just want to encourage you that we have available for you as a resource. This, this is a blessing, note, a blessing book that Joni put together. For parents, pick them up at the children's check-in. It's, it's a collection of prayers that you would place your hands on your children and you would bless them. Not because you are blessing them. You get what I'm saying, I hope. Don't, don't send me an email. God blesses them. You don't bless I understand. You're taking them in your hands. Simeon wasn't blessing. He was inviting the blessing of the Father upon this baby who would be the Savior of the world. You're putting your hands upon your children. You're putting your hands upon your own life and saying, God, I'm asking that you would do the supernatural through the completely inadequate. And so maybe between now and Christmas, you would take some time to... to Begin a practice of blessing your children. So he, back to the text. He took the five loaves, the two fish, looking up toward heaven. He blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to, the disciples to set before them. So I, I, I don't know how this happens, but he breaks the bread, and he breaks the bread, and suddenly a basket's full, and a disciple's gone, and the next disciple's taking a full basket, and the next disciple's taking a full basket. And there are, I mean, you know, thousands of people. This wouldn't have been a quick process. They are making runs to all these groups of 50 and 100, and there's basket after basket after basket after basket, all from, all from this completely inadequate offering. And it didn't just stop there. And he divided up the two fish among them all. He does the same thing for the fish. And they all ate and were satisfied. And not only that, and they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. Just a beautiful picture that as deep as sin runs in our life, the grace of God is not just sufficient. It is more than sufficient. God doesn't, doesn't just meet the need. He more than meets the need. God will not just be what you need. He will be more than what you need to do all that he's called you to do. You see, that day unfolded like every single day we want to unfold in our lives. It begins with a recognition there's a call to do to the utterly impossible, to love, to live in holiness. There's a call to do the utterly impossible, which leads us to an admission that I am completely inadequate. I need you, Lord. But then that decision, those five words, what, they, what were they? Bring them here to me. And that, that is what you and I would do, not just 
one time, but daily, hourly, we would bring ourselves to Jesus completely inadequate for the utterly impossible. And in so doing, experience God's supernatural work through the inadequate. See, this is, this is not just that day. This is intended to be the work of God through people. So don't close up. Understand, this is a picture of what all of life is intended to be. A call to the impossible, an admission of the complete inadequacy, and therefore, not a failing, not a giving up, not a doing of my best. Bring it here to me, presenting ourselves to God. So like a little boy who's just a shepherd shows up to a huge battlefield and he sees a loud mouth giant mocking the armies of the living God. And there have been grown men who have listened to it day after day after day and every day shrunk back in fear. And then a little boy showed up and said... I'm available. No, I don't need your armor. That doesn't fit me. And he went out with just his sling and five stones, and he said to the loud, taunting, mocking giant, I come in the name of the living God. And the giant fell. And a young man named Daniel who said, I won't stop praying. And to make a, an example out of him, they took him and threw him where? Where'd they throw him? To the den of lions. And they watched to see the, the lions devour to prove the point. And instead, the lion's mouth were closed. And there was living proof of a good God. And a little girl named Esther, who found her way into the king's palace, and then heard that she and all her people were going to die, and that she did something. She presented herself to God with these words. If I perish, I perish. And she stepped into a king's court and he raised his scepter and she lived and all her people lived. I am begging you, by the mercies of God expressed to you who are dead in your sin but now who are alive in God that you present your bodies. It is your reasonable servant. It is your act of faith. Let faith arise. You stand with me. Uh.
their faith arise. In spite of what I see, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief, I choose to trust you. No matter what I feel, let faith arise. Faith arise. Let faith arise. For my champion's not dead, he is alive. And he already knows my every need. And surely he will come and rescue me.
so I invite you to take your hands and in some sense your life in your hands and let us ask God's blessing. And God, I ask that as you have paid the penalty for our sin through your Son, the Lord Jesus, granted your Spirit to dwell within us, that we would be the body of Christ. I pray that we would go and bless this community, that we would be salt and light, truth spoken in grace. Pray that those with hands lifted up would be your ambassadors, that they might speak graciously the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I pray that your hand of favor would be upon their homes, that there would be homes filled with joy and kindness, the love of Jesus. I pray that husbands would love their wives and wives submit to their husbands. The children would obey their parents unto the Lord. And that our streets would be filled with the glory of God because of the lives that we live by your power and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for being here. If we can pray with you, it would be our great privilege. God bless.